You're listening to DraftKings Network. Unreasonable Odds is back. I'm your host, Julian Edlow, and football season is also just around the corner. We're going to talk some college football with Tim Murray from over at VEASAN. Uh, go through some of the week zero and week one games, maybe talk some futures as well. Uh, also touch on the awesome college football betting guide that they have out at VEASAN over there and uh, rip through some games. Football is back. All right, we're back from summer vacation on Unreasonable Odds. And as promised in the open for the occasion, uh, our good friend over at VEASAN, Tim Murray. You can find him hosting primetime from 6 to 9 p.m. Eastern. And, of course, he hosts the college football betting podcast over there, which translates very nicely to our first college football Unreasonable Odds here at DraftKings of the season. It's August 17th, Tim. We are almost there. How are we doing? I'm good, brother. Ready to uh, rock and roll. So uh, hopefully uh, no glitches or anything like that, and uh, we uh, we make it happen here, but fired up for another college football season. Yeah, uh, the the focus of this episode, at least, is we're going to try and highlight some some week zero and week one games that that we have our eyes on. But uh, feel free to, to take things where they go. Maybe we'll close with a favorite future. If this kind of ties into any future you like, go ahead and... Uh, and get into it. But I will say I was off for seven weeks this summer and I'm just getting back. So I feel like I can't dive like immediately into sports. I need to take like a little summer break uh, talk of some sort. So I know that you're an East Coast guy, Tim, you're a DMV guy. Um, I see all of the uh, the seafood from that area, the Old Bay flavored stuff coming on your Twitter timeline. I was just down in my dad lives in Virginia now. So I was just down there. They have like crab track on their uh, dock. I ate some very good crab down there. I was all over New England during my time off doing different lobster rolls and whatnot. I know that you come back east during the summer to the uh, the DMV area and the, the northeast as well. Yeah. Um, your favorite, give me a couple of your, your highlights, seafood and or beer meals from Ooh. the east coast this summer. Yeah, so I do a little bit of both. I got family up in New England, so you're uh, neck of the woods. I can't say I'm an expert up there, uh, but I, I enjoy the the lobster rolls when I got an opportunity. But yeah, I go back to D.C. area. I actually go to Delaware. Uh, it's a okay. beach town that I go to, Bethany Beach, Delaware. So I've been uh, there any, the, uh, any of the uh, local beers that will take in, whether it be, you know, uh, really in the weeds rar uh nanacoke nectar is uh, is incredible anything dogfish head does i will uh i will pounce on but as for the food yeah i mean for me um you know i think on a on a snacking front anything with old bay on it uh the chips are good but i think really the best snack if you're looking for just you won't be able to put it down are cheese curls with old bay on them it is it is unbelievable how addicting they are, and you know my sister now lives in Indiana. I live in Vegas, so when we get back, we pulverize like it feels like six bags of those. You know when we rent a, a beach house. So and then uh, you know as for crabs, like you know people who are from the D.C. area or you know 
wherever that have done it before. It's kind of a therapeutic type of deal. You know, I think New England folks kind of maybe roll your eyes because you get much more meat out of a lobster. Uh, the lobster roll is, right. is obviously tremendous, even though, you know, the bun is always seems too small. Um, but for me, you know, sitting down with unlimited crabs with a pitcher of beer, uh, you know, I did, you know, this summer it was dogfish head 60 minute IPA to my mm -hmm. right. It was just unlimited crabs. You know, I have a kid now. We're, we're with a group of, uh, I mean, now he's six years old, but uh, we're with a group of a bunch of other children. So it, you can't get the unlimited time sometimes, Julian, but I can honestly yeah, sit I mean, there. Yeah, no, I have a three-year-old and a not even one-year-old. You got to eat fast, I which just is why cracking the crabs. It takes a while. Sometimes I can't get it all in. Yeah, you got to pick. You got to make sure you have no cuts on your hands. You know, this summer I... <laughs> I cut my thumb. I had to make sure I bandage that bad boy up yeah. so you don't get the old bay into the cut there, Julian. So, but it is uh, it is a time where you can just sit back, crack crabs, eat some hush puppies. Don't fill up on the chicken that they give you, and just sit there and and enjoy the beer. You know, honestly, the best and I did it right before I moved out to Vegas three years ago was back deck, just brown paper bag on the ground uh, on the table, and just sat there and crack crabs for what felt like four hours. That's what I, I did a lot of uh, um, last weekend. And I will say up here in the Northeast, have you ever just put Old Bay on chips? Because yes. we can't buy at Old Bay yet. So that's what I do. I just take the regular chips and throw Old Bay on it and uh, pretend that's how, how the bag came. Um, so yes, we're, we're back. There's your summer seafood and, and beer talk. Um, <laughs> I'm a big oyster guy too. And that's not you know, particular to... Uh, to the DC area, honestly, it's up in New England. They're better uh, cold water areas, but I I'll sit there if I could find like a dollar oyster happy hour, Julian. I'll sit there and just shit, sit there and shuck. You know, oh, I won't shuck them myself. I'll just uh, let someone shuck them for me, and then I'll just suck them back. Yeah, I've I've put my shucking skills to the test. Um, it's more difficult than it looks. If I get a dozen, I usually go about eleven for twelve on ones that that Not work. Bad. Not bad. Um, your dollar oysters right here, Newport, Rhode Island, Benjamin's Raw Bar. There's your dollar yeah. oysters. Your best oysters in town, scales and shells. Um, and if you're drinking beer this summer, it all pairs very great with vitamin C, which is right here in Weymouth on the South Shore. Mm. Um, had some, I know you're big on this one too, and I promise I'll stop after this. Um, getting those lobster rolls up in Maine with a Maine lunch IPA. Oh. We've talked about that beer before. Um, uh, that... That might be, uh, yeah, if anyone's ever been to, to Maine, uh, make sure you stop by, not a sponsor, uh, but stop <laughs> by Freeport and uh, Maine Beer Company. It used to be just a house, like literally like it was a small house and they've expanded since. And uh, I've got family in Maine. So anytime we're up in that area, I, I will stop by. But uh, the lunch IPA, my wife, who doesn't even like IPAs, uh, can can say that that is that is the that is my number one of one beers. Uh, it's hard to find. It's coming a little more popular because they've expanded the brewery. But main yep. beer company lunch. If they if I find a bar that has it on tap, I won't I won't leave. I, I just I'll sit there all day. Um, all right, I I concur. I have a wedding up in uh, up in Portland, Maine, in October, and I'm I'm very excited for the beer and food scene. But 
producer Samir is slacking me. Is this a food podcast now? No, it's a college football podcast. But I, like I said, you got to transition back from summer break and into the football. And now we are going to do that, Tim. Um, so we're going to start real quick week zero talk. I know everybody gets really excited for it because football is back, but it's never a great slate of games. It's just that we're excited that football is there. But it kicks off your squad, um, Notre Dame, going up against Navy. That one's been bouncing around. I think it's 20 yep. and a half at the moment on DK Sportsbook, total 50 and a half. Um, that's the one that's going to get us started in Ireland. I think it's a 2.30 p.m. Eastern kickoff. Um, I know Notre Dame is your team, so I'll just give you the floor on this game and, and let me know how you feel. Yeah, no, it's uh, you know it's certainly not a spot where I'm going to be laying points, and and I wouldn't uh, you know fight someone who said they want to take the points, right? Navy historically, uh, whoever they're playing, Julian is is usually a good double digit dog, just because they're never going to quit. They've got the unique style, um, you know. Real quickly on the Irish, um, obviously a lot of optimism this year for Notre Dame as they went to the transfer portal, brought in Sam Hartman from Wake Forest. Um, you know, the biggest questions for me regarding Notre Dame. The playmakers at wide receiver, uh, you lose Michael Mayer uh, to the Las Vegas Raiders. The wide receiver core was was not great to, to last year either. Um, but I think the offensive line will be one of the you know top ten, top fifteen units in the in the country, which is which is massive to give Hartman some time. Uh, they haven't had a quarterback like Hartman in, in quite some time uh, to start a season, so. Um, you know, Navy's fascinating. You know, Navy's a team that I obviously got to know very well. I was part of their broadcast team for three years from 2016 to 2018, uh, changing of the guard uh, with Kenny Amatsololo being relieved of his duties, uh, in my opinion, kind of uh, unceremoniously. But uh, regardless, Brian Newberry steps in, the defensive coordinator. So you're going to see some new wrinkles uh, from this Navy team offensively. Uh, they went and got, uh, grabbed the Kennesaw State offensive coordinator, so options still, but maybe some. you'll see a little shotgun. You'll see a little bit of you know unique aspects to this offense. Um, you know, I think for Notre Dame, if you're looking, the reason why you would look to lay the points uh, is that they do have a really good core of linebackers, and that's what you need. You need scheme fit. You need guys who are going to know their assignment. Obviously, they're going to have plenty of time to prepare for Navy. This isn't thrown in the middle of the season. So I think that would be the reason maybe why you would look to potentially lay the points. Uh, but, you know, what I'll say is this was brought to my attention uh, on my show, Julian, over the week, uh, VEASAN primetime with Brad Powers, who, you know, I think is one of the sharpest college football handicappers out there. And uh, he likes the over in this game. So it's sitting at okay. 50 at DraftKings, 50 and a half uh, other spots. And, you know, if you look at history, um, going back to 2010, these teams play every single year outside of the COVID year when uh, they couldn't figure out scheduling purposes. But let's go through since 2010, uh, the final, you know, total 52, 70, 60, 72, 88, 65, 55, 41. So that would be an under 66, 72, 40 in 2021, and then 67 last year. So uh, okay. the over, if you just use the number that the market is set right now, Julian, has actually gone over in 10 of the last 12 games, average of 62.3 points per game. Uh, Navy should have some issues slowing down the Irish, even though if you watch last year's second half, they threw a bunch of blitzes at them and Notre Dame couldn't do much in the second half. It was impressive uh, by the midshipmen. And then Notre Dame, we'll see what they can do, uh, slowing them down defensively. So um, yeah, if, if 
forced to play it. I'll uh, I'll trust in Brad's handicapping. He's pretty sharp and uh, he likes the over. So that would be the the way I would look in uh, what is an intriguing game of week zero. You know, you mentioned it, Julian. We actually get two f- top 15 teams, which is rare for week zero. Obviously, USC is playing two. Um, so while week zero usually is kind of a, a dud-ish type of uh, appetizer, so to speak, I think you get yeah. some intriguing spots here in week zero. We're definitely going to see some interesting teams. And uh, as you just mentioned, um, over at VEASAN, you're talking to guys like Brad Powers and a lot of other big names in college football all the time. So, again, feel free to, um, you know, I want your opinions. But if you have a play from a Brad Powers, you have a play from a big name on a game we're talking about, feel free to to bring it up and share it with the people. Um, so Navy-Notre Dame, probably the the highlight game, I think I do like that over because your head naturally goes to Navy Notre Dame, like, Ooh, grinder under, especially a week zero international Mm -hmm. game, maybe a little sluggish, but like you just said, what is it? 10 of the last 12 to the over. Yeah. If you, if you look at the number that is currently sitting out there, it would go over. I don't know exactly how many of their games have gone over, but you know, once again, Julian, to your point, right. You think about army Navy and how it goes under every single year, army air force, et cetera. Um, But you know, in these particular spots, you know, the one thing obviously everyone needs to keep in mind in, in college football this year, the new clock rules, right? You're not going to see uh, the clock stop after first downs uh, like we've had in years past. So I, I'm very curious, you know, from a, a total standpoint, what we'll see in weeks one, two, three, you know, will we see a trend towards the under, um, you know, will it be an overcorrection? Sometimes we see that too, right? Where people just assume, yeah. oh yeah, you hear about the new clock rules, so we got to go under, under, under. Well, we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. You know, teams are still going to play with pace. Um, so yeah, it, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see you know how it all plays out uh, moving uh, moving forward this year. And going on that rule, Tim, like if anything, if you're not wild about the week zero board can at least kind of monitor totals on these handful of games and then have a better feeling for week one based on how some of these totals uh, wind up landing with the new rule based on, on, you know, what places like DK Sportsbook are posting the total at. So that's something to watch for in these handful of games too, even if you're not going to wind up betting them. Um, Rest of the week zero board. You got UTEP laying one against Jacksonville state, Ohio, a three and a half point dog to San Diego state. Uh, Vandy laying 17 and a half now hosting Hawaii, another rematch of week zero last year. USC, you mentioned, is one of those heavyweights that gets going in week zero. They're laying 30 and a half right now to San Jose State. Um, FIU, a 10 point dog to Louisiana Tech. And that's what we got up on DK Sportsbook for the uh, for the Saturday slate. I'm looking in Massachusetts, so I know that means I'm leaving off. A uh, New Mexico State, I believe, is an eight-point favorite now to to UMass. Yep. Um, that one also being in there. That's a game I – if you're looking for a money line parlay piece, I do think New Mexico State uh, can be one of your legs against UMass. But if I'm – like I said, I have no week zero plays. Um, maybe I'll go with that over uh, in the Notre Dame-Navy game. But if I'm keeping an eye out for something, if Vandy were to get back to 17 against Hawaii – I think that's where I would be comfortable laying 17 with Vandy. That was a con- that was a close first half, I think, in in Hawaii on the island last year. And then Vandy just mopped the floor in the second half. I think they wound up scoring over 60 points in that game, and they were not a good team for the rest of the season. So I think with Hawaii now coming over, 
Um, if I were to play something week zero, I would look if that came back down, uh, get rid of the hook and lay 17 with Vandy. Uh, any thoughts on that, Tim? Otherwise, just anything else week zero, catch your eye before we move on. Yeah, uh, quickly on Hawaii, uh, you know, one of the best cover teams in the country down the stretch last year. Uh, I think they went seven and one ATS over the last eight games. Uh, you know, team that is in full on rebuild mode. Um, you know, the travel, I don't think will be that big of a factor just because they'll probably leave with plenty of time. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm not looking to, to necessarily get involved with Hawaii. The one I would be intrigued with if you look up to week one is, you know, Hawaii, uh, how are they playing, you know, and, and do some of these shops keep up the week one line against Stanford and, and you could potentially kind of sit your situation there, right? Hawaii stinks. Okay, let's lay it with Stanford. Ooh, Hawaii might be a little more uh, feisty than we expected. I, I think Hawaii, you know, the win total is three and a half. Um, you know, I think they, they're a team that, you know, should win a couple Mountain West games. Uh, Ohio, San Diego State probably I think is the, the most intriguing game uh, of, of week zero. Uh, Ohio is, you know, the, you know, the, one of the co-favorites in the Mac Toledo obviously is the favorite, but you know, many people believe it'll be Ohio versus Toledo in that Mac championship. Uh, they bring back Curtis Rourke. They bring back nine starters on the offense. And, uh, we've seen the market move against San Diego state here, uh, a decent amount, right? A lot of threes popping out there. So, um, yeah, I think Ohio and San Diego state's going to be an intriguing, uh, situation, San Diego state. Uh, they're going with Ryan Lindley as their offensive coordinator. So a first-time offensive coordinator. Uh, you might remember the name when he played at San Diego State. So the the Ohio-San uh, Diego State game is one that I haven't necessarily gotten involved with yet. Uh, I am curious, though, about uh, potentially looking at Ohio there. But the market has moved a decent amount. I think that opened five and is now down three. I think DraftKings still has a juice three and a half if you do want to get involved with the Bobcats there. So that's probably the game of, of the most intrigue. If I was, you know, forced to make a play, Julian, week zero, uh, it would probably take the points if I can get that hook uh, with the Bobcats. All right, there you go. We're going to move it on to week one when the action uh, really begins. We got a handful of Thursday night games, a couple Friday night games, um, the big slate on Saturday, and then a few games on Sunday and a Monday night Clemson-Duke game. So uh, the action lasts all weekend um let's i guess we'll break it up into into segments here a little bit and start with the uh the thursday august 31st and friday september 1st uh card some of the intriguing games florida's been bet down from a double digit dog to a touchdown at utah that's a rematch of the week one game that florida um kind of stole at home in the swamp uh last year i was on utah Cam Rising was marching down the field to make that game-winning drive and picked off to end the game in the end zone. Um, but how's Cam Rising's health going to be coming into, into this one, I think, is a, is a big question. Friday night, Louisville getting some hype in the ACC. They're laying eight in Atlanta against Georgia Tech. I think that's an interesting one. And I mentioned New Mexico State maybe as a, as a money line parlay. Maybe a team like Louisville is somebody that I could see see pairing that with if you're doing a, a two-leg. Um, and then Minnesota is laying seven. I know a, a professional group that was at six and a half and a big group hit that, moved it up to seven. Um, if Florida goes – I know I've waited too long. If Florida goes back – I'm trying to wait this out as long as I can. If Florida were to go back to better than plus seven – 
I want more news on Cam Rising because we think he's going to play. He's probably going to play, but what is he actually going to look like out there? Um, I like Utah this year. I like the Pac-12 this year. I think Utah is going to be tough, uh, you know, on both the O and D line like they always are. They're going to have a good defense. Um, They're going to run the ball well. But even in a revenge spot after that loss to Florida, if this is more than a touchdown and Cam Rising isn't 100%, that's probably the Thursday-Friday night game that I'm I'm looking at. Um, I don't know if you have thoughts on that game or if any other one on Thursday or Friday jumps out to you, Tim. Yeah, I'll just run down a little bit. Uh, something to note, uh, Kent State, UCF, obviously UCF moving on to the Big 12, um, a team that I think probably will have the most success this year in the Big 12, uh, Kent State. Uh, you've seen a massive move here against Kent State. Why? Uh, because Kent State has nobody. Uh, they have lost everybody, uh, and they are bringing back zero starters on offense. Uh, they are, you know, win total of two and a half. So that is why you're seeing a number uh, that large. And I think, you know, if UCF wants to, they can absolutely pulverize uh, this Kent State team. So, you know, something to note there just moving forward as you get into uh, into action. Uh, UConn, NC State's interesting. Uh, Look at NC State's schedule. Uh, This is the furthest they'll actually travel all year. Uh, A little bit of movement towards the Huskies in this spot. Uh, Jim Mora uh, and company obviously having uh, a lot of success year number one, getting to a bowl game very surprisingly, uh, probably overachieved. I do expect that maybe a little regression, but, you know, he's brought in a lot of, you know, G5 transfers or P5 transfers, um, they, they brought in, you know, I know we talked about Maine, uh, they brought in Maine's quarterback to, uh, to come in and, uh, and to potentially run that offense. So an intriguing spot there, you know, as for Florida, Utah, uh, I, I would think Cam rising is actually not going to play. Uh, that's kind of my gut feel there. I'm not breaking that news. I don't have that news. I'm just saying, I feel like that will ultimately be the case, but you mentioned the offensive and defensive line. Uh, Phil Steele was on uh, the VEASAN College Football Betting Podcast with me about a month and a half ago, and uh, obviously he puts in time and talks to all these coaches, and he said Kyle Whittingham told him that he would challenge anybody in the country to find an offensive and defensive line as good as Utah's. So, you know, Georgia might have a word about that, but I'm just regurgitating what what was said to me on my podcast. So something to kind of note there. Um, you know, moving forward to Friday, just kind of more big picture stuff. Uh, I like Michigan State to go under their win total. Um, I don't think they'll have much issues with Central Michigan. Uh, you know, Jim McElwain, year number five there with the chips. Uh, the market has moved uh, against Central Michigan in that spot, in that opener. Um, but I think Michigan State is uh, going to be in for an interesting uh, year. Uh, if you look at some of the look-ahead lines, Julian at DraftKings, uh, they're a double-digit dog against Washington, against yeah. Penn State, against Ohio State, against uh, uh, against Michigan. So uh, they could have a tough year there, Mel Tucker's squad. So if you can find a five and a half, I would play the under on Michigan State there. Uh, so, yeah, that's probably the way I'm looking at those first eight games, kind of more big picture stuff, uh, mm-hmm. forced to kind of make a play. Uh, I might look at Hawaii in that spot. You know, first game back, it's going to be emotional. Obviously, obviously that everything that's going on there, uh, with the uh, with the wildfire in Maui, um, you know, I, I think that's a Stanford team in complete rebuild uh, with Troy Taylor coming in as their head coach. So uh, I do think Hawaii 
catching north of a touchdown uh, could be a, a potential look there on that Friday night on the island. All right. Um, I'm going to take kind of what you said about uh, about that Kent State-UCF game and maybe apply it to a game on Saturday. When you were breaking that game down, I was thinking, hmm, that feels like maybe a UCF team total over play to me. <laughs> Uh, just if they're going to, if they're going to blow Kent state out and keep their foot on the gas, those are kind of the early season games where there's just no chance and your offense is clicking and you want to keep that rolling and build some momentum for the season and keep scoring. These are, you know, Virginia is not Kent state, but Virginia is going to be pretty bad this year. And they're playing Tennessee on Saturday afternoon. I, I played Tennessee under nine and a half wins this season. They have Georgia and Alabama on the schedule. If they were to lose those two, you got to go perfect the rest of the way to cash your over. I I think that the offense losing hooker, losing some of those receivers, I don't think they're going to catch the lightning in a bottle that they had last season. But early in the season against a team and a defense like Virginia, I think that that offense uh, is probably going to come out pretty strong. I I haven't done anything with it yet. Um, The total for the game is 58, and Tennessee is favored by 28. So you know we're looking at a large number there. But I'm not uh, writing off a potential play on a Tennessee team total over against Virginia. Uh, What say you, Tim Murray? Uh yeah, that's that's not going to be pretty. Uh, Virginia, you know, week I think it's let me double check. I think it's like week two or three. They played James Madison at home, and that's I think that yeah, week two. I, I think James Madison, uh, knowing that they can't make a bowl game this year, or they can, assuming there's no five and seven teams or no six. You know, there are not enough six and six teams. But I think James Madison week two, uh, that could be a potential spot there to look. Uh, but yeah, I mean. Joe Milton, uh, I remember backing him as a big favorite against Bowling Green two years ago, and and they came out kind of flat on their face in that spot. They won, but they didn't cover. Uh, so uh, I'm, a, I'm a little hesitant to just go ahead and, and lay that big old lumber. Um, but the market has certainly moved uh, in that direction. Yeah, I mean, you look at week one, you know, and, and before we get to Sunday, it's, it's certainly not that. Uh, appetizing um you know there there are a couple intriguing spots uh with g5 teams you know how will they fare against some p5 teams uh we've seen the market move very much against uh washington state in a home opener for colorado state uh i like colorado state a lot this year um you know if you can find an over four and a half out there i think colorado state gets the bowl eligibility so even five uh that was a you know, a best bet that I wrote up in the VSIN guide. Uh, I was hoping to grab 14 plus uh, for Colorado State, Julian, against Washington State in week zero, in week one. Uh, and uh, we've seen that move almost more than any uh, game that is out there. So, you know, I, I really am high on this Colorado State team. I think that they are, you know, potentially going to uh, battle Colorado in a, a week three matchup where they're coming off a bye. And then uh, and Colorado will have had back to back games uh, in the spotlight. So uh, I like Colorado State, but not at that price. Uh, One game that I think a lot of people have talked about and I do find it intriguing uh, is is this Wyoming, Texas Tech game. So 
Um, you know, Julian, I think you know this, but your listeners may not know it. I'm just, I'm a massive situational better when it comes to college football, you know, let down spots, look ahead spots, all of that. And week one is always a tricky spot for me because, you know, there's a lot of unknowns and how do you not get up for a week one game, right? Well, I do think this is a unique spot for Texas tech. They've got all this hype, you know, Brett McMurphy, who uh, I'm a big fan of and uh, love what he does. I mean, he put Texas Tech as number 11 in his AP poll. I mean, there's a lot of respect out there for the Red Raiders. And I think week two, when they get an opportunity to play Oregon in prime time in Lubbock, is going to be quite the shot for Joey McGuire's squad, uh, the Red Raiders, to take care of business. But week one, they've got to go up to Wyoming. Prime time, CBS. How about that? Wyoming gets a CBS prime time game. And I think this is quite the opportunity for Craig Bowles squad. So uh, there's a 14 and a half out there. I, I think you can make worse bets than taking the 14 and a half with, uh, with the, with the pokes there in that spot. So, you know, we'll see that might end up being a popular dog. So that always makes me uh, a little bit worried there in, uh, in week number one, but I think that's a really interesting spot. And I'll give you another interesting spot um, Tulane. So Tulane's coming off of a huge year, obviously finishing top 10, uh, my partner on Vison Primetime, Sean King, was the quarterback of their undefeated team in 98. He was down there at the Cotton Bowl when they came back to beat USC this past January, Julian. And uh, they have Ole Miss waiting in the wings in week two, which, yeah. you know, a little history lesson. Tulane was once upon a time in the SEC in the 60s. Yeah. Uh, and now they've got an opportunity to bring in an SEC program uh, to Yulman Stadium. So, that is going to be a hyped atmosphere week two. South Alabama is the favorite to win Conference USA. And uh, they're catching seven points in this spot. And I think Kane Womack's squad, you bring back a veteran team. Carter Bradley is back for another year as their starting quarterback. Uh, I, I think South Alabama has the chance to, to make it a game uh, down there against Tulane. So I, I think there's a couple potential quasi-situational spots there uh, in week number one uh, for, for some G5 teams that are catching a touchdown or more. I like those looks. Um, Wyoming was was on my radar a little bit. And while we're on the topic of Texas Tech, fading Texas Tech and taking 14, 14 and a half with Wyoming in week one is on my radar. But also, I, I know the look ahead is three. Playing Texas Tech plus three at home against Oregon in week two uh is also on my radar do you actually like coming back uh, obviously you know let's see how the week one game looks but do yeah. you like the idea of coming back with texas tech uh against oregon in that in that home spot or was the idea just that they'll be looking ahead and just stick to the wyoming play no i absolutely love that spot um you know look <laughs> Thinking back to some of the the wild evenings we've seen down there in Lubbock with Michael Crabtree tiptoeing the sideline to upset Texas, you know, uh, 15 years ago or or 16 years ago. I mean, weird things happen in Lubbock. They've got the juice. uh, They're fired up. So, you know, in my crazy mind, this is what I was hoping for was a Wyoming kind of close game public says you know texas tech is is overrated they're not that good you see this you know highly rated oregon team who will come in fresh off of i think a a win over an fcs program so there won't be any concerns there and that's where you kind of pounce on texas tech so personally i'm hoping that texas tech struggles a little bit with wyoming 
you know, labors, and then we're able to get north of a field goal. Uh, like you said, that look ahead line at three. Uh, I know there were some three and a halfs out there, but yeah, I, I am believing that Texas Tech certainly could uh, could ultimately uh, you know pull off that upset outright uh, in week number two down there in Lubbock and one of the more intriguing games. So no, that is exactly how I was looking at it. You know, two more things real quickly regarding week one. I, I don't know how to attack it. Uh, I'm high on Texas this year, which is a scary proposition. Uh, mm-hmm. just because they always let everybody down. Uh, they're uh, under their win total, 10 of the last 11 years. But they play Rice in week one. Uh, they're a 35-point favorite. The reason I'm bringing this game up is Texas goes to Alabama in week number two. So I yep. think there will be some vanilla-ness to this game plan. They're just certainly going to hold things back. So, you know, is there a second-half look? You look on Rice. So that might be an in-game option, you know, to just – does Texas come out? Do they put it on them in the first half? Maybe you look Texas first half and then in-game Rice, uh, because I think it's kind of a an interesting spot for for the Longhorns there. Uh, they've got all this hype. Uh, they play Alabama week two. Last year was uh, a game that they should have won and ultimately lost 20-19. to 19. So I think that's kind of a, a unique spot in week one where Steve Sarkeesian absolutely is going to be holding some things back when uh, when the Longhorns play Rice. Speaking of that week two game, I have played Texas plus seven against Alabama. Uh, A little bit of a revenge spot for that narrow home loss last season. Um, All right. The Saturday and Sunday night games are fantastic matchups. And um, I actually don't think I'm forcing anything here, but I do like sides in both of them, which makes me even more excited for these two great games. Uh, in Charlotte, matchup of the Carolinas, North Carolina versus South Carolina. UNC was a team that burned me last year. One of my favorite win totals was the Tar Heels under seven and a half. They obviously came out blazing. Drake May was a lot better than I factored in for, and uh, I lost that that play. Um, I'm going against them in, in week one. I think they're a little too hyped this year. And I think South Carolina, you want to talk about a team that ended the season with momentum. Uh, Big upsets over Clemson and Tennessee are quite the way to get momentum and then almost beat Notre Dame in in the bowl game. Um, Let that one go. Uh, But played another, you know, high-end team very tight. This one's bounced around anywhere from a pick to plus three as we record. Uh, South Carolina plus two and a half on DK Sportsbook. This one is going to be South Carolina money line and hopefully some plus three for me. I, I'm i nervous about that defense going against a high-powered offense, but Drake May is not a freshman anymore. There's tape on him. He's not going to sneak up on anybody, and he loses some elite receiving talent. I think that the South Carolina offense is going to do more to the UNC defense, which is also not very good at all, than UNC will be able to do to South Carolina's defense. I hope I'm right about that. Maybe this just means that you should play the over, which is 62, 62 and a half, because this should see some points. But uh, I think South Carolina is the the better team here, and they have more to prove uh, and ended the season, certainly. UNC, the wheels kind of fell off. South Carolina ended with a lot of momentum, brings back a lot on the offensive side of the ball. I'm hoping that the Gamecocks get this one uh, outright on Saturday night of week one, Tim. 
Yeah, I think what's working in your um, favor here um, is that Tez Walker, the transfer from Kent State, um, ridiculously is not uh, eligible to play because uh, it is his second transfer. So uh, they were really expecting some big things from him, uh, maybe even as the top wide receiver. Why? I, I think South Carolina is in for a bad season. Um, you know, I think they overachieved last year. Um, you mentioned that Gator Bowl. Uh, they got two pick sixes. They got outgained by like 200 plus yards in yep. that game. Uh, they lost a lot on offense. You know, they lost their leading rusher, Marshawn Lloyd. Uh, Jaheim Bell is gone as well. So uh, Austin Stogner, their tight end, has gone back to Oklahoma. Um, so it's 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 a program that's been recruiting well, uh, but they did lose a lot this year. So looking at their schedule at Georgia, at Tennessee at Missouri, who I think will be pretty good at A&M. Yeah. They, uh, they have one of the toughest schedules in the in the country for sure. Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, win total under for South Carolina is a potential look there. Um, but to your point, um, you know, you look at UNC um, and, and Drake May. So I think I agree with you. I think Drake May and company probably getting a little bit too much love uh, this year, you know, coming off of uh, what was what a, a, an eight win regular season. Uh, actually, nine win regular season. So, uh, you know, we'll we'll see how it all plays out. They lost Josh Downs, who was uh, his go to receiver. Lost uh, Green as well. So, uh, I'm not going to disagree with your play here. Uh, not not necessarily something I've gotten involved with, but I do think South Carolina under their win total potentially is a look because that schedule is absolutely brutal. And uh, outside of bringing back Spencer Rattler, they lost a lot of skill position players from a year ago. I'll give you that under. Just give me the 1-0 start, and we'll take it from there. <laughs> um, Sunday night, a rematch of last year's Sunday night game. This one was in New Orleans, semi-home game for LSU. This year in Orlando, semi-home game for FSU, both considered neutral field games. Um, FSU came out and jumped all over LSU in Brian Kelly's debut last year. LSU grinds back, and right when we're about to get an unbelievable finish to the game, LSU misses an extra point and loses by one. The rematch this year, both teams really hyped. Both teams bringing back a ton of key pieces. Uh, you mentioned Phil Steele, Tim. Phil Steele will be joining us here on Unreasonable Odds next week on the podcast. So we will we will talk about this one. He has FSU's positional groups in general ranked a little bit higher than, than LSU's on, on the most part. But we've seen LSU go from a short dog to now a two-and-a-half-point favorite in this one. I played LSU at a pick. Um, I put them out at minus 130 money line. I know a, a lot of people will give you a very strong take on both sides of this game. FSU is getting a ton of love. Um, but for me, I, I think that what LSU found as the season went on last year – what they bring back in terms of talent, having Harold Perkins on that defense, who is an absolute game wrecker. Um, and I know FSU brings back some, some really strong pieces there. I, I think that LSU is, is going to be the better team this season. And I think that that should show in a revenge spot in week one. Um, very excited for this game. This is probably the game of, of the week in week one. Um, and I think LSU has a chance to to win that division again um, and, and potentially almost certainly play Georgia in that SEC uh, championship game. What do you think about LSU and FSU, Tim? 
I mean, I can't wait for this game. I mean, yeah. it's it's clearly the best game of the week. Uh, one of the best games of the entire season. Two top 10 teams. Uh, I, I wish it was, you know, in Death Valley or in Tallahassee, but Orlando will still give us a good atmosphere. Uh, it'll be sold out. You know, Bayou Bengal fans travel very well. Uh, and Florida State fans are, are as excited as they've ever been uh, for a really, really good team. Um yeah, I would I would actually side with you here on this LSU front. Um, you know, anything under a field goal, um, you know, LSU, you bring back Jaden Dane. I mean, look, both of these teams, uh, they 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 kind of mirror each other in some aspects, right? They bring yeah. back their quarterback, who I would think people had some questions about entering last year, and both answered answered the bell quite well. Um, you know, LSU's running game uh got enhanced a little bit, bringing in Logan Diggs, transfer from Notre Dame. Uh, they still have Noah Kane, who was there from, uh, you know, from uh, a Penn State transfer. Jaden Daniels was their leading rusher just a year ago. Uh, look, flipping over to Florida State, though, uh, I mean, these, they got some dudes, man. You know, you look at their wide receiver position and what they've been able to do. Keon Coleman, another reason why I'm on Michigan State under the top wide receiver for Michigan State, Keon Coleman, after spring decides to transfer out, as did Peyton Thorne, who's at Auburn. So they added Keon Coleman, which is a huge addition uh, in the transfer portal. Johnny Wilson is back, who was just phenomenal last year. Uh, they went out to the portal. They got Braden Fisk, uh, a transfer from Western Michigan, to add some depth on that defensive line. Jared Verse, who people thought could potentially be a first-round pick, opted to return uh, for this upcoming year. So, you know, you look at Florida State, 17 starters returning, similar for LSU. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think you made a really good point. Uh, Mason Smith was a guy they lost in that game and is just an absolute force up front for LSU. You have Harold Perkins. And then they went out and uh, much to my chagrin as a uh, as a all in on the Beavers backer here of Oregon State, they took Oregon State's most talented player, in my opinion, Harold Perkins, uh, excuse me, Omar Spates, I beg your pardon, to pair with Perkins. And uh, that's going to be a very formidable uh, linebacker core there for uh, for LSU. So, um, yeah, I can't wait for this one. I'll probably have a small position on LSU. Uh, but you know, certainly the hype is there for both of these teams. You can't say Julian, that one team is getting more hype than the other, because everywhere you learn, everywhere you look, you can see, you know, LSU is going to win the national championship, get back to the playoff, beat Alabama again, Florida state, the same thing, right? Ended the season on a high note, won their bowl game in Orlando, interestingly enough. So this will be back-to-back games for the Seminoles in that Camping World Stadium uh, as they wrapped up the year with a win over Oklahoma. But it's going to be a phenomenal game on that Sunday night. And, uh, yeah, would uh, would tend to side with you on uh, on taking the Bayou Bengals. All right, we're talking to Tim Murray here from VEASAN, host of VEASAN Primetime, 6 to 9 p.m. Eastern, host of the VEASAN College Football Betting Podcast. And as you mentioned, Tim, you guys have the VEASAN College Football Betting Guide out, which I would highly recommend checking out. I will have, um, I don't want to call it a review, but just write up some some thoughts and things that I like from it to highlight over at DK Network. Uh, I'll have that article out pretty soon. But um, as I was flipping through it, I wanted to let you go here just with maybe favorite future um, in college football. So I'll just say one, the first thing that I wrote up on uh, DK Network, and I saw you had Washington winning the Pac-12 in the VEASAN betting guide. 
the first thing I wrote up for college football was was Washington over nine wins at plus money. And hey, why not a sprinkle at four to one, which is a little bit lower now, but at the time, four to one on Washington to win the Pac-12. That you want to talk about an offense that brings back firepower. That is Washington. Hopefully a couple of holes on the offensive line can can get covered up. But uh I think that team is going to be very good and to see them I know the schedule gets a little bit tougher you get USC on it this year but to to see that team landing at eight and four which you would need to lose you push on nine I think ten and two is is very much in the cards um I'll go with that because that's the first play that I I put out and I, I really think Washington has a has a chance to be good but um, that's a little sneak peek at the VSIN betting guide right there, something that you put in there. But uh, your favorite future, Tim Murray, 2023, college football. Um, so I'll say this, and this isn't a, a knock on your play. I kind of begrudgingly put Washington at four uh, in my playoff prediction. Ultimately, I think oh, this conference... I didn't even know you put them in the playoff too. All right. Yeah, I put them in the playoff, uh, but I, I think they cannibalized themselves a little bit this year. Um, but I, I, if I had to pick it, I would say Washington wins the Pac-12. Uh, but I think it's incredibly competitive uh, this year. I actually took a flyer on Oregon State, us, us against the world, I think 11-1 to 1 to win the conference. Um, like yeah, I'll run through a couple of my write-ups uh, from, the, uh, from the guide here. I know some of these numbers not available. So, you know, Oregon State over eight, I don't think is available anymore. So I won't go too in-depth there. What do you think of the good plus money at, at eight and a half? So, you know, really I, you know at eight. I think eight is a realistic push and nine is yeah. realistic and they're not going to land on seven, but eight and a half makes it tough. Yeah. I think the eight and a half, you just, you get worried about, you know, this team could hit eight. Uh, certainly. Um, yep. I love the fact that they avoid USC. Uh, they get, you know, uh, Stan, uh, Washington, UCLA, and Utah all at home. I think that is uh, beneficial for for if you're playing the win total. Uh, what is DJ Uyunglele going to be? Um, but yeah, eight and a half, I would probably say pass or very small play on the over. Yeah. Um, you know, eight was minus 120 in town uh, when I gave it out on my show over the summer. So we'll, we'll, we'll skip that one. Uh, one that I think might go against the grain a little bit is Duke under six and a half, which I think is still available at DraftKings. Like so it, it's a regression factor. And as I wrote up, Julian, in the in the guide, I really like Mike Elko. I really like this Duke team. They're good. They're well coached. They've got uh, players coming back. Riley Leonard, uh, Dane Brugler uh, from The Athletic put him as, I believe, his number four uh, quarterback uh, to keep an eye on heading into this college football season as a pro prospect. So – you know, you would think a team that went nine and four last year, eight and four in the regular season and beat UCF in their bowl game uh, would be a team that you'd be looking to back. Well, a couple things, right? The schedule is vastly different from a year ago. You mentioned Phil Steele will be on this podcast. Ask him about Duke next week, because yeah. this is a team that he pointed out has the biggest change in strength of schedule in a more difficult way in the entire country. Yep. Heading into the season, uh, they did not play Florida State last year. They did not play Clemson. Well, they play Clemson, they play Florida State, and they add Notre Dame. So you've got three yeah. top 15 teams on that schedule. In addition to, you're playing Louisville, who is expected to be improved. Pittsburgh's always a pain in the butt. North Carolina, uh, you know, with Drake May. Uh, NC State, I'm not totally high on this year, but 
you know, NC State with Brennan Armstrong reuniting with his old uh, defensive coordinator. So, look, the the worry for me on this win total is the non-conference schedule outside of Notre Dame is, is very manageable. FCS Lafayette, Northwestern, who's a disaster, and then on the road at UConn. But uh, this team does avoid – think about the teams they avoid. They avoid Virginia Tech. They avoid uh, Syracuse. They avoid Boston College. They avoid Georgia Tech. Those teams that they would likely be favored against and win. Right. And then lastly, they had a plus 16 turnover margin last year. That's second best in the country. Once again, regression likely coming. So Duke under six and a half uh, was a play that I wrote up and I think still is available uh, yeah. at uh, at Dra- DraftKings Sportsbook. And then the final one, because I have a couple in the weeds win totals, uh, which you guys can read in the guide. Uh, the final one's Texas to win the Big Ten. Anything with a plus sign on this one, Julian, I think is okay. Um, you know, as I said in the guide, look, this is the definition of overhyped and underdelivered uh, in college football. Ten, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, 11 seasons, last 11 seasons, they've gone under the win total 10 times. But, you know, if not now, when? Uh, this team is loaded pretty much everywhere outside of, I guess you could say, the running back position after they lost B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson to the NFL. The entire offensive line is back with over 100 career starts. Their wide receivers are just nasty. Xavier Worthy, one of the top wide receivers in the country. Jordan Whittington, over 650 yards receiving last year. They brought in Isaiah Nair via the transfer portal, a burner from Wyoming. Guess what happened last year preseason? Tore his ACL, missed the entire year. He's back. And then they went out and, and brought in A.D. Mitchell from Georgia, who was by 247 Sports the number three player in the entire transfer portal. Defensively, they bring back six starters. Jalen Ford is a force at the linebacker position. And then they added some you know, depth to the, to the secondary. This is a team where you look at close losses, Julian. F- five losses last year. All of them were by one possession. The look-ahead market, they're a favorite in every single game uh, this year except the Alabama game. They're just better than everyone in the Big 12. So, look, if you take a plus position on them to win the Big 12 and you want to get off of it, uh, in the Big Ten Championship, you know, with a plus side on the other side, whoever they're playing, they will be a touchdown favorite uh, against pretty much anybody they play in the Big 12 Championship game. So uh, Texas, uh, as uh, Joe Tessitore once said, Texas is back, folks. Well, I'm hoping uh, they uh, they put up them hook'em horns uh, on their last Big 12 dance and uh, win this conference for the first time since 2009. There you go. And if yeah, if you're looking for – you can make some kind of futures parlays on DraftKings Sportsbook to make the title game is one of them. Texas is minus 240. If you want to just have them in that game, uh, minus 240 to get there. So I'm, I'm, I'm with you. If this isn't the time for Texas, then uh, it probably never will be. Um, all right. Unreasonable Odds is back. College football is back. Uh, thank you, Tim Murray, for uh, joining us. And uh, we will be back next week going through the college football landscape uh, with Phil Steele. So we'll be talking talking some, some futures and things of that nature, going through some of his surprise teams. Who does he like? Who doesn't he like? Um, stay tuned for that next week on Unreasonable Odds. Tim, thanks so much for joining us, man. You bet, man. Anytime. Odds and lines are subject to change. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER.